0: Are you ready for the end of the world? This is your community spirit—the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again: circle of family, the circle of friends, the circle of being. Wake up and be healthy, and therefore wealthy, to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. This is your community spirit coming at you on your community radio, ninety-one point one FM. My name is Treesong.
1: Oh, yeah, my name's Orr.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> you remembered your name today.
1: <laughs> Just like, this is Orda to Energy Mon, and um, we don't have tons of happenings. It's kind of a laid-back week, huh? Yeah.
0: You know, I guess people are relaxing for the holidays. I'm sure they're not running around doing last-minute errands or anything. <laughs> Surely not. Uh Yeah.
1: But you mean last-minute shopping?
0: Yeah, well, last-minute shopping, last-minute preparations for family visiting, that sort of thing.
1: Well, we got, um, kind of a Christmas holiday, or at least New York did. So.
0: Yeah, they did. They got a, I don't know, like a reprieve, a stay of execution.
1: It's, it's, yeah. Cuomo bans fracking in New York, but questions climate science all in one day.
0: Yeah, Cuomo.
1: <laughs> New York governor Andrew Cuomo finally announced Wednesday afternoon that he would ban hydraulic fracturing in the state. This announcement is a major win for fracturing fracking op- opponents and the people in the lands in the city of New York. Approximately 40% of New York State sits over the Marcellus Shale natural gas formation. Now, fracturing is already widespread in neighboring Pennsylvania, as are the insuring um, environmental health and safety premiums. I forget how many we said. I mean, like thousands and thousands of wells in Pennsylvania. Yeah. New York has had a fracking moratorium in place since uh, Cuomo's predecessor issued one back in 2008. He, um, Cuomo has repeatedly delayed a permanent decision pending study by the state environmental and health departments. Mm-hmm. And, of course, those studies have dragged on and on. No one really wants to admit
0: yeah, 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 it seemed like it was taking forever. He kept saying like, oh, well, we'll see what the studies st- say. And then the studies were not coming out. And
1: well, I mean, part of it is it's a very, um, I'm trying to think of a nice word. <laughs> um, people are pissed off about it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> from
1: both sides. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, um, and there's no way to make it so that someone's not pissed off.
0: Yeah. And there there are rare moments when I feel the slightest bit of empathy for politicians but th- this is one of those moments it's like whatever they decide they're going to make somebody really angry <laughs> so it, it's good if they decide not to poison a bunch of people you know <laughs> let's let's not let's anger people by not poisoning anyone <laughs> instead of angering people by poisoning them
1: <laughs> he actually faced the surprisingly strong challenge from law professor Zephyr Teachout in the Democratic primary. That's the guy's name?
0: Yeah. Yeah, Teach I thought that was an interesting name, Teachout.
1: <laughs> Teachout attacked uh, Como on the left on a number of issues such as economic inequality, corporate influence over government, and fracking. Her campaign credited the, the fractivists with being their most organized and most vocal constituency. Now, in an October interview with New York Magazine, Cuomo spoke dismissively of, quote, the fracking people, probably the largest single issue for activist Democrats who are upset that I won't ban it, end quote. Hmm. Now, privately, local environmentalists have expressed doubt that Cuomo would ban fracking, noting that his administration has been uninterested in meeting with them. But... Cuomo's own agency heads reviews the scientific literature and came came up to the conclusion to, (laughs) surprise. surprise, fracking was unsafe for New Yorkers. New York City draws unfiltered water from upstate, and Cuomo's administration determined that fracking would endanger the watershed. As Cuomo said at a cabinet meeting on Wednesday where he made his announcement, he always intended to follow the science and the advice of experts wherever it may lead. Quote I'm not a scientist, I'm not an environmentalist. <laughs> so um the health the state health commissioner, Howard Zucker, emphasized that there's growing evidence that fracking endangers human health, quote. There are many potential health effects from high-volume hydraulic fracturing, said Zucker. More importantly, there are many potential red flags because it is not adequately studied. So there's a lot of studies that show there's higher rates of uh, heart and nervous birth defects from mothers near gas wells. So... Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is a pretty long article. Um, if you would like to receive anything <clears throat> we talked about and the, you know, the detail and sometimes links to pictures and video, which are kind of hard to show on the radio, you must email us info at org and we will try to remember to share the newsletter with you every week.
0: Oh <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the only bad news that came out of his talk, like, you know, Initially, I heard the really, the really happy news that he was banning fracking throughout all of the New York State, but then he also, in the same press conference, people asked him about climate change, and he, he gave some sort of mixed-up answers, like many politicians do about climate change.
1: Now, I mean, back in 2012, he actually flirted with allowing banning, I mean, allowing fracturing. Yeah. Um. And so he backed off from, under pressure from activists.
0: Yeah. He listened to the activist. Yeah, if the activists hadn't done all the pressure, he probably would have just gone with allowing it. So, activists can make a difference by pressuring politicians and just by taking whatever other actions they can.
1: Well, they can make. I mean, I'm going to go off maybe on a little (laughs) tangent here, but last night there was a public meeting for the, you know, possible solar farm. Yeah. And the activists again, essentially came out hardcore against the solar project. Yeah. Because the investors only want to do it on essentially a free piece of property next to the power lines. Yeah. That's the only place. And this was the first time in 2 years of public comments that people say we're not against the solar,
0: <laughs>
1: but we just don't want it on that property which is the only property of course the investors are even considering. Yeah. <laughs> so in, you know, 2 years, our very active activists in this town have essentially stopped um, well it was going to be a sixty million dollar project, but solar has come down in price and now they're saying it's a fifty million dollar project yeah so um, and in my mind, there is legitimate reasons why people have issues with that property,
0: mm.
1: but none of them in any way have anything to do with the solar project yeah and so basically they're holding you know the solar project up for ransom in saying you know what are you going to do for us and um there
0: well, it'd be nice if there's some way to do the project but then have benefits go to the community you know since that, that land is a source of 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 harm for the local community If if there's some way to you know, like ensure that whatever benefits go to the city from the project, they could go directly into that, helping out that neighborhood. Okay. I mean, if someone comes up with a good so proposal. So basically,
1: <laughs> you're saying we need to bribe the community to put in a solar project.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, ideally, if you can, you know, if if you can <laughs> help, <laughs> if you can help the community with the project. I mean, we need more solar, so it, whatever we can do to make the project happen would be good. Well, it just, it just may take finding a way to help the community in the process.
1: The renewable energy and solar activists in this town are all adamantly against this project.
0: <laughs> yeah. So
1: they're full of it <laughs> when they're saying we want solar, but not in our backyard.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So they're just being just like anybody who's against nuclear. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, it's not any different. It's like in, in my mind. Yeah. And, um, now I, I have issues with the, the company that came in. They met with the city and met with, um, us. I'm on the sustainability commission. Mm. January of two years ago. So 2013. Yeah. Um, as far as I know, that was the first meeting and they said, we're interested in this. And we told them there's, you know, environmental injustice there and you need to have essentially the meeting that happened last night. Finally, after almost two years, <laughs>
0: yeah, two years
1: is <clears throat> provide information on what your dream is, your vision, because th- people are asking questions that they can't answer because they have no property, number one, no investors, number two, mm. because they don't have, you know. So it's basically a vision, a dream, and you're asking specific questions like. How many dump trucks of gravel are going to come in? Hmm, yeah. Well, we can't know that. The company can't know that until they know that, you know, they have the vision and design for what the system's going to be. And they're not going to do that until they actually have an investor to pay them to design it, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's,
0: yeah, cause it takes a lot of time and energy to design a system like that.
1: I mean, I as a solar designer would never design something on a theoretical building for someone who, you know, doesn't want it. I yeah,
0: mean, who may or may not end up paying you for your design <laughs>
1: Just like, just like, well, I have been approached for buildings that are visions mm. and design stuff for that. Yeah. But, um, anyway, yeah. it was, it's, it's been very frustrating for me because we've had a series of meetings where every meeting has been the exact same questions mm-hmm. and the exact same issues. And I blame both sides. I blame the company for not answering people's questions, but they, I feel for their pain because they can't. It's a vision. Mm-hmm. How do you answer how many dump trucks of gravel are going to be in there? How many solar panels?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So.
0: Well, if anybody has any ideas on how to resolve the, <laughs> resolve the conflict there and get, get more solar energy into our community in a way that also, uh, is compatible with people's environmental justice visions, they can go ahead and email us. Info at yourcommunityspirit.org. We, we'd be happy to talk more about this issue again on the show, you know, to see what we can do to, to, you know, to come up to a resolution to this. Because it's been going on for two years and they've had, you know, this meeting about it, but it, it would be nice to see more solar in this community, but it also, we want to be sure to resolve it in a way that makes the activists happy too. And it seems, it seems like it is a gap in communication. Like the, the project itself seems like, you know, to me anyway, it seems like a project that could work, but we just have to figure out how to communicate about it properly and how to be sure everyone's concerns are met.
1: I would agree. I just find it very funny that people who are very pro renewable energy are actively against the solar project in our own town yeah that <laughs> <laughs> just like, yeah that just well i think it makes th- no sense that i as a solar installer am traveling all over the midwest and everybody to install solar <laughs> yeah everybody Quite else is gets installed here
0: yeah everybody else is <laughs> eager for solar well <laughs> i mean maybe people need, need to read more about the climate science uh, i just read this book that i wanted to be sure to mention on the radio i believe it was called climate changed i'll look up that title in a minute but it's a graphic novel and it's about mostly about you don't have
1: to actually read
0: yeah it's, it's a lot it's a lot of pictures you know i mean it has these talking heads who are talking about the science but it also has these pictures of like you know the 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 country and the storms happening and all that and it's a really good introduction to the science and when you really think about the science you realize that you know, we, we both have to dramatically decrease our energy use and switch to clean energy very quickly in order to avoid some really bad climate consequences. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so sp- spending another decade debating, well, should we install more solar? Should we reduce our energy? That's not really an option at this point. We have to find solutions.
1: <laughs> and honestly, for this project here, they're not going to install it unless they can get the 30% federal tax credit. Yeah. Which is set to expire the end of next year. Although on a large project, if the project starts next year, they'll extend it another nine months. Yeah. So they have until, you know, a couple years. But if it doesn't start in the spring, there's just no chance of that going to happen here unless they extend the tax credits. Yeah. And the tax credits are available to anybody. It's a 30% tax credit, but then it will go back to the old level of 10% at the end of next year. Mm -hmm. So
0: Yeah. Was that a state tax or a federal tax? Federal. Federal, okay. Yeah,
1: so that's the only, as far as I know, the only federal incentive there is Yeah. for everybody. Yeah. But it was disappointing. I went to Peoria and I did a training yesterday. I did a training and uh, turned on a 117 panel system. Then I stopped in Springfield and turned on a residential system. And then I came to Carbondale and... Had people say we don't want solar, <laughs> so, yeah. So I have to go other places to for people. So, um, solar is just one way that we need to focus on um, making the world better. But most Americans are actually clueless about how climate change will affect their health. Yeah. Um, Americans aren't thinking about the effects climate change will have on their health. A new Yale study finds. But at least the White House is starting to. Back in October, the Yale Project on Climate Change Communication surveyed 1,275 Americans about their views on global warming. Yesterday, the organization announced that every very few of those they spoke to, only about 3 in 10, 30%, had thought a moderate amount or a great deal about how climate change would affect health. Most hadn't considered the matter. Less than a fifth of all Americans would come up with a way in which climate change is affecting health or could name which groups would be most vulnerable. Of course, according to a separate Yale survey, 19% of Americans don't accept that climate change is happening at all. Mm -hmm. Even many respondents who recognize that climate change poses health threats didn't understand which threats were likely to affect American communities in the next 10 years. For example... Allergies, (laughs) Allergies, <laughs> correct. Percentage who said yes, 38%. Asthma, yes. Percentage who said yes, 37%. Ebola, correct answer is no.
0: Yeah, climate change isn't actually going to increase Percent <laughs> who
1: said yes, 22%. Yeah. Depression, yes.
0: Yes, climate change is, the studies say that it will increase, increase depression. Now, I'll admit, I, I guessed this one wrong because I, I didn't think through consequences. The flu, a- actually, no, they're not expecting the flu to increase from climate change. And that's probably because it's human-to-human transmission, you know. Um, I mean, you may actually get more flu if you get a lot of climate refugees traveling places. But other than that, it's, it's not like there's going to be a new insect that's going to come and give us more flu.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I remember the interesting story of a town that now is getting malaria, yeah, as they had built that town up the side of the mountain where the mosquitoes couldn't get to, or it was too cool.
0: Yeah, it was too cool up there.
1: And now it's warm enough that the mosquitoes are now swarming into the city, and malaria is like rampant. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, I read that same article too. I think, and I also, it's not on our list, but Lyme disease is also expected to increase because ticks migrating more because of the warmer weather.
1: Well, the cold doesn't kill them too. Yeah,
0: cold doesn't kill them off, and they go to a wider range.
1: Uh, my my dad always used to say. I really hope this winter it freezes for a couple weeks, so we can <laughs> knock those ticks down. Yeah. Just like, <laughs> yeah, that's what. Anytime it's really cold, we're complaining. He's like, "It's getting rid of the ticks." <laughs> it's it's the t- rid- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. So even if Americans aren't thinking about climate change, the Obama administration is trying to make sure that healthcare providers are. As part of its climate action plan, the administration released a climate resiliency guide for the healthcare sector, detailing best practices. It makes a range of suggestions for rebuilding hospitals to prepare for severe weather, um, making sure that backup electricity, water and heat are available on site, to having healthcare workers coordinate with urban planners on transportation to make sure that doctors and others can get to work during an emergency. So that's important. Yeah. I, I recently saw a movie um, that was based in. It was a like a thriller,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I can't remember what it's called now. But it was it was a very scary thriller of this guy who was in the hospital during Katrina. Yeah, and the power goes out in the hospital, <laughs> and he has a baby who was just born on a ventilator. Oh yeah, and he has this hand crank <laughs> battery charger. Yeah, and the, the I mean the whole The whole movie has hinged on the fact that he found this hand crank battery charger really quickly,
0: yeah, <laughs>
1: but the battery in the backup ventilator um what do you call it, only has like three minutes of backup power, yeah. so <laughs> he was able to run and find a battery charger, but anyway, he hand cranks it and he can't fall asleep, yeah, you know, so it's it was uh a very intense movie, yeah, I don't generally watch thrillers, but somehow I got sucked into watching that movie, yeah. And I can't remember what it was called, because I'll never watch it again.
0: <laughs> it <just laughs> <Yeah>. like- <laughs> well, it sounds like a good one, though. Oh, uh, well, we're starting to run out of time here. Oh. This is uh, Here's a story, Resistance and Solidarity at the COP20 Climate Summit in Lima, Peru. Now, we talked about the Climate Summit a little bit last week, but they, they wrapped up the summit, and they came up with the usual batch of, well, we think we might do something about climate eventually. <laughs> so there was an answer to the climate crisis that emerged from the recent climate summits, but it's not from the COP20.
1: Basically, it's like, we're not going to do anything here. We're going to do it in the future. Yeah. So it's like, that was the answer. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> the answer. And so then
0: a- the, the people in the streets had a somewhat different answer in response to that. Uh, so, well, this climate deal that they hope to ratify next year, I mean, it's, it's narrowly focused on unenforceable commitments to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Like it's the usual thing of, we pledge that we might reduce greenhouse gas emissions. And the reductions won't even begin until 2020. And it does nothing to help poor nations adapt to climate change and sustainably lift the people out of poverty. But outside of the COP20 conference, a real response to the climate crisis is emerging. Solidarity and resistance. Thousands of people representing indigenous communities and their allies from all over Latin America and the world came together for the Cumbre de los Pueblos, the People Summit.
1: I mean, there was over 20,000 people who took to the streets during the People Summit Yeah, talking and interacting and trying to, you know... Essentially, they confronted the World Climate Summit saying, you know, this is affecting us. Yeah. Please help us. But they decided that the people weren't going to help them and they're going to do something about it. Uh, So, So if there is one lesson from this week... That is, there is never a doubt that you are alone in the fight for climate justice. We are truly a global and growing movement. Yeah. As we learn to work together, we are creating a real answer to the climate crisis, one based on communities protecting their land, water, and forests from the industries destroying the planet. We are coming together to keep fossil fuels in the ground. Save the fossil fuels. (laughs) 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 Ensuring forests belong to the communities that live there and demanding water be protected as a common good. So the governments won't end the climate crisis. People will.
0: Yeah, it's up to us. And regardless of how much we convince the politicians and regardless of what they say, it's still on us to come together and ensure that our communities take action and that we find solutions. So we should, uh let's see. We can mention this one a little bit. So, uh, a new study shows that electric cars are only cleaner if the energy is greener. Of
1: course. Well, don't <laughs> even keep reading. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it like, should be a, a no-brainer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like a study because, you know, uh, but if you plug in a new electric car into a charging station, it's easy to feel good that the vehicle's environmental and climate impacts may be smaller compared to all the other cars on the road. But driving an electric car could be worse for both the climate and the public health if the electricity that it runs on was generated at a coal-fired power plant. Now, initially, there was some of the arguments saying, like, even if it's coal, well, maybe it's cleaner because it's all burned in one place. Well, I
1: mean, the argument is, you know, 100,000 cars will be less efficient than one power plant. Yeah. You know, but the problem is is a power plant is only, like, about 50% of the energy that they Make actually makes it to the plug. Yeah. (laughs) So right there it's 50%. Yeah. You know, so.
0: So according to the study, they say that it's actually, if you're using coal, like, as your source of electricity, that it's 80% greater harm to the environment and health than driving a gasoline powered vehicle. (laughs) So be sure that, that you're using, uh, you know, solar energy, wind energy, some form of clean, renewable energy in order to power your electric vehicle. Because then when you do that, it does create a great savings. Um, Where's the figure down here? It's it's something like it's significantly better if you are using a clean, yeah, as much as 50% less of an environmental health cost if you're using a clean source of energy with an electric car than if you're using a oil-powered car. So electric vehicles definitely can make a difference. You just have to be sure what you plug them
1: into. All right. The holidays is today is look for an evergreen day. And tomorrow is go caroling day. And for go caroling, <clears throat> um, Sundays is Yule and Solstice. Yeah. The, finally, the days are going to get longer.
0: <laughs> yes, finally. It's been
1: really hard to install solar. When <laughs> <laughs> the days are so short. It's like. um.
0: Yes. Also coming up on Tuesday is human light day. It's a humanist holiday. There are all these religious winter holidays, but the humanists also have a holiday on the 23rd of
1: December. Also is Festivus.
0: A holiday for the rest of us.
1: Yep. So So
0: Wednesday, I've got to do something for this. Wednesday is National Chocolate Day.
1: And then, of course, Thursday is Christmas Day. Yes. So um, on Christmas Eve... The Rock Hill Baptist Church is inviting people for a candlelight worship sh- service uh, at six p m so hot cider and cookies will be served, mm-hmm. and candles will be there. so
0: yes, that's
1: good. Um, December is right a friend month, mm-hmm. so it's or visit a friend mm-hmm.
0: so or phone a friend
1: <laughs> uh, Saturday, the Ibis John band returns to play the Carbondale. Park District's annual Blues Christmas Concert, Saturday, 7.30 at the Varsity Center for the Arts. So if you want to have a Blues Christmas, mm-hmm. Saturday.
0: Saturday. Also Saturday, the Carbondale Community Farmer's Markets over at the Carbondale Community High School.
1: Yeah, pack it in. Get a lot of greens. And um there's some really sweet carrots this time of year because when it's cooler, the carrots concentrate that goodness. <laughs> yeah. So...
0: And Sunday there's World Spirit Day. The, uh, there's a global meditation going on. And Sunday, December twenty-first, at five p.m. over at the Carbondale labyrinth, the labyrinth peace garden over by Guy House Interfaith Center, nine thirteen South Illinois.
1: There's a great article in the Nightlife, being for the benefit of the kids. A Carbondale music scene alum is returning with a holiday gift for some of Southern Illinois' most disadvantaged children. Leib told Nightlife that he was driving home from work in 2008 and passed the Catholic Children's Home. It suddenly hit him. People actually lived there and would spend Christmas there. So he started an organization called Something Bigger Than Yourself and it holds benefit concerts to increase funding for the cause. So he's been able to, you know, purchase a lot of stuff for the kids so please go to something bigger than yourself.com and donate some money and help the kids at the you know the catholic children's home
0: sounds like a good deal
1: yeah so happy holidays yeah happy holidays there's like four holidays this week <laughs> yeah there's we got, at least we got four. <laughs> hanukkah festivus solstice yule christmas what did I leave out? Yeah,
0: that's at least Man, five, I'm going to celebrate <laughs> them all. This going to be a good week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Just like,
0: you can celebrate all week long. Well, it's
1: like so many days. Well, there's 12 days of Christmas, eight days of Hanukkah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, let's do- it's and, a time and, to and party. And this year they don't overlap. So, you know, it's been like, it'll be two weeks of fun. Yeah. <laughs> so.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, enjoy the holidays and we'll see you here next week on the radio. We'll send you out here too with a quick snippet of The "The Christians and the Pagans by Dar Williams.
2: Uncle Said, we're up here for the holiday. Jane and I were having solstice, now we need a place to stay. And her Christ loving uncle watched his wife hang Mary on a tree. He watched his son hang candy canes all meet with red dye number three. He told us, niece, it's Christmas Eve. I know our life is not just style. She said, Christmas is like solstice, and we miss you, and it's been a while. So the Christians and the Pagans sat together at the table, finding faith and common ground. the as that they were able. Just before the meal was served, hands were held and prayers were said, sending hope for peace on earth to all their gods and goddesses. The tree plugged in the meal had gone without a hitch Till Timmy turned to Amber And said, is it true that you're a witch? His mom jumped up and said, the pies are burning And she hit the kitchen And it was Jane who spoke, she said, it's true, your cousin's not a Christian But we love trees, we love the snow, the friends we have, the world we share And you find magic from your gut And we find magic everywhere so the Christians and the pagans sat together at the table Finding faith and common ground, the best that they were And Where does magic come from? I think magic's in the learning Cause now when Christians sit with pagans, only pumpkin pies are burning Amber tried to do the dishes Her aunt said, really, no, don't bother Amber's uncle saw how Amber looked like him And like her father He thought about his brother How they hadn't spoken in a year He thought he'd call him up And say, it's Christmas and your daughter's here He thought of father's sons and brothers Saw his own son tug his sleeve Saying, can I be a pagan? Dad said, we'll discuss it when they leave so the Christians are not big and the Pagans set together at the table, finding faith and common ground the the set they were raised. Wow. Lighting trees in darkness, learning the from the old, and making sense of history and drawing warmth out of the